You're listening to The Breakthrough Pod, the show dedicated to help you learn, grow, and become the best version of yourself. We share inspirational stories, strategies to overcome failure, and life lessons from truly amazing people. Let's get started with your host and founder of Student Breakthrough, Sam Moynet. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of The Breakthrough Pod with me, your host, Sam Moynet. In this episode, I'm joined by Manal Al-Adawi. I first met Manal in April 2017 as we completed our coach training together. And since then, Manal has gone on to do some incredible things, working with some incredible clients and also getting some fantastic results. What I love about this episode is it just shows that people come into our life for a reason. And it's been so great to catch up with Manal as we share our vulnerabilities, our struggles, and the challenges we faced as we left our nine to five jobs. If you're in need of some inspiration, if you're in need of some self-compassion, then this episode is for you. Sit back, relax, and listen to episode 28 of The Breakthrough Pod. Manal. Welcome to the Breakthrough Pod. Great to have you on today. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Amazing stuff. Uh, Manal and I actually met in April 2017 when we completed our academic academic life coaching training program uh, with an American company, Coach Train EDU. Uh, and since then, Manal's gone on to do some great, great things, and and we stayed in contact as friends and as coaches. So, Manal, it'd be great to just to share with the audience. You know, what are you up to right now? What's your business? All right. So I feel like my business has definitely pivoted a lot over the years. So initially I started coaching students, but now I coach um, older people around like, you know, like millennials, 20s, 30s. And I basically help them uh, find their purpose, like uh, live more intentionally, uh, overcome any specific struggles that are keeping them from doing that. So I've just to kind of like summarize it. Yeah, I'm a life coach. I'm also a positive psychology practitioner. Yeah, Manal's done so much, uh, so much learning um, on all this stuff. I saw your little CV, not your little CV, your big CV of all the stuff from coaching, positive psychology, and everything else you've done. So it's amazing, like really, really amazing. Um, so let's let's jump back then. What was the moment that you decided to to leave? I guess like a nine to five and and pursue coaching. What was what was the inspiration behind that? All right, so let me go back to kind of like what made me even become a coach in the first place. So when I was 17, that's not when I became a coach, but when I was 17, I, I actually fell into a very deep depression and I just was struggling with depression for many, many years. And I was trying to figure it out and I was seeking all the support that I could. Um, and eventually like I started to be able to get that information that I needed and started to help myself. And At some point while I was working as a lawyer, because that's what I did initially study and that's what I was doing as a full-time job, I was like, I really want to help people who are going through the same thing that I'm going through and particularly teenagers, because at the time I really struggled to get that support. So that's what really motivated me to uh, become a coach. And that's when I decided, okay, let me just do this coach training online. Let's see how it goes. You know, I wasn't really thinking too far into the future. Um, and then a couple years into it, I was like, okay, I think I want to quit my nine to five and like do this full time. Wow. That's awesome. If you want to just go, it'd be great to go back and explore at that like tender age of 17. What, what brought on that depression for you for, for those years? 
Yeah. So it was definitely very confusing. And I think that a lot of people who do experience depression uh, are confused about why is this even happening? Right. Um, And there's not always very clear answers. But one thing that I do, what I can say looking back is that I feel like I was not in touch with my emotions for all of like my school years. Like I would just suppress them and avoid them. And I just had no clue how to deal with my emotions. And I feel like at 17, it just kind of like all accumulated and just exploded. That's how it felt like. Would you say that it's, it's sort of the culture that we're in where we're not, we're not supposed to show emotion. You know, it's meant to be, um, you know, pull your socks up, get on with it. Emotion is a sign of weakness. And then it kind of bottled up. Was that, is that something that happened? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. Because even looking back, I remember crying privately, like all the time, like I would just cry really quick in my room and then I'd get over it and then I'd move on with life. Like everything was fine, but it was like, I was never really dealing with my feelings. I wasn't even exploring like why I was crying or anything like that. And the truth is that like, we don't learn this stuff in school. Right. And and this is something that I think you also like share the same thought with me in that we need to be learning these things in school. We need to be uh, teaching young people how to deal with their emotions. Yeah, it's, it's almost like we're, we're taught to like grieve alone. And I don't mean grieving is in like a bereavement or anything, but like, you know, any pain we experience, I guess we learn it from adults that we, we shouldn't be, you know, I've, I've never seen my dad cry, I don't think. Um, not saying that I, I want to see my dad cry, right? But it's interesting looking back that, yeah, the way we show emotion is we're always meant to be positive and we're always meant to be like living our best life, as I used to say. I've kind of moved away from that tagline now, but we're never really supposed to let people in. And that's why I love your posts and what you do, because you really do let people in. So what kind of support did you get back then when you were 17? So um, it's, it's, you know, coming back to that whole, like, uh, people aren't really comfortable with dealing with their emotions. We kind of keep it private. And especially because I do come from like an Arab culture where mental health is not spoken of at all. And especially back then, 10 years ago, there was so much mental health stigma, like um, even the fact that I wanted to see like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist or anything like that was like shocking. Um, but because I was studying in the UK, um, there was so much mental health awareness there. So I knew this was okay. This was something that like everyone goes through. It's normal to need support. So I literally just went to my mom. I was like, I need to see someone like I need to see a professional. And she was really confused um, because it's something that nobody does here, you know? Um, so I started to see different like psychiatrists and therapists trying to find the right one. Um, I saw a lot of bad ones, um, but it was, <laughs> it was really like a journey to find like someone who could really help me. Why does the, the Arab culture have, I guess, more of a stigma around mental health, do you think? So I think that there's a lot of false ideas around mental health. So there's this idea that like, if you are depressed or you're anxious or anything like that, you are crazy, right? That's, that's how they label you. And um, if you're crazy, it means something's wrong with you. Um, and what, what they don't realize, I think is because everyone's really suppressing and avoiding their emotions, is that feeling these feelings is totally normal. Like we are supposed to feel these feelings. Um, It's just part of how our body works, right? Um, So there's a lot of false ideas really around mental health, around emotions, around feelings. And just like you said, it's like 
uh, you should just push through, you know, be strong, um, you know, uh, be positive all the time and get stuff done. There's also this idea of like, you need to just be productive and working and uh, giving back. Um, and you can't be like all feeling <laughs> like, you know, so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's actually mental that, um, mental, <laughs> pun intended, um, that it was the case for so, so many years. And there's still a lot a long way to go, even here in the UK. Um, what did your parents think? Just to jump a little bit forward though, what did your parents think when you were getting into this, uh, this profession? Yeah, I actually never asked them what they think about it. Um, <laughs> love it, love it. I actually have no clue what they think, but they definitely um, think that, you know, being a lawyer was more like socially acceptable. Like, you know, um, it's one of those careers where it's like, my daughter's a lawyer. So I think it was definitely an adjustment for them to be like, uh, yeah, my daughter's doing this coaching thing. I don't really get it. But um, I think that's one of also the struggles of like quitting your nine to five to do coaching is realizing that not everyone is going to understand that. And yeah. a lot yeah, a lot of people don't really see it as a real career or anything like that, but it's just, it's amazing and it's so fulfilling. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I think my parents, uh, they, they, I think they know what I do now, but for many years, they didn't really understand. My mom always said, are oh, you doing that counseling thing? And obviously <laughs> there are some links to counseling and what we do, um, but there are some big, big differences. And I think only when they came to one of my events in London, did they finally realized what I did. Uh, but they've always, as always, they've been so supportive. Like they... They love what I'm, I'm doing with students and young people, but I think not many people know what a coaching experience looks like or what it is. And I think still there's a big thing of opening up to someone is still a sign of weakness. I still think that. And it takes, by the way, it takes so much bravery. We had Jordan on here um, a couple of weeks ago, who's a big mental health advocate. And he said, I'd love to get your opinion on this, that the biggest sign of strength is opening up, you know, is, is having that courage to speak about what's going on for you. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. And one of the things that I do a lot is actually share my own struggles very publicly. I don't think everyone needs to do that. But the reason why I do that is because I know that it's really important for others to be able to see it, um, to see that others are going through the same thing. And that can give them the courage to actually share their own struggles. So when you think about it like that, it definitely takes courage. It does take strength to share those things and to be vulnerable. Um, I also say a lot that uh, feeling your feelings takes courage as opposed to like suppressing or avoiding them. Feeling them is difficult. It's not easy. Um, it is the uh, kind of like the path of the warrior, as some people say. <laughs> what do you mean by the path of the warrior? Well, because if you are um, willing to kind of like go through that and actually feel your feelings, you actually come out on the other side as a completely different person. You see things differently. Your priorities in life are different. Um, that is what helps you actually, like, if we go back to like live your best life, it's actually going through those pains and going through those struggles as opposed to avoiding them. Yeah. You just challenged my thinking there on the whole live your best life thing. The reason I moved away from it, because it, it, lots of time we don't live our best life, but is, it, is living our best life being okay? with not being okay? Is it just being comfortable and content with whatever feelings comes up um, and normal human emotions and we shouldn't suppress them and we shouldn't beat ourselves up for not feeling positive? What kind of, you challenge my thinking there. What do you think on live your best life though? Well, I don't use the phrase live your best life, but I do use the phrase live on purpose. And the reason why I do that is because I believe living on purpose is showing up as your full self as much as possible. 
So that can be, you know, things like these are my strengths and talents and I'm like shining and showing them to the world, but it can also be being vulnerable and showing your pain and showing your struggles. And I think that showing up as your full self is living intentionally and living your best life. Nice. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Let's go back to the therapist then, right? UK, you're getting this support. What did you learn from from that time, you know, actually opening up for the first time and speaking to someone? So opening up, I learned so much about how like our past can affect our present uh, in a way that like I never really thought about that. And a lot of people don't really want to analyze like their childhood or anything like that. But I realized like it really made an impact on who I was. Um, So that was very interesting. But I will say that the main thing that I took away from those years and those experiences with therapists was that I realized that there was a lot of inadequate support out there. There were a lot of people who weren't teaching, for example, methods that were scientifically based or that had a lot of mental health stigma themselves. Um, And they were bringing it into whether it's the coaching room or the therapy room. And that was really what motivated me to become a coach because I was like, wow, it's so hard to find good support. Um, maybe I can be that change. And, you know, it's always like what you need is usually what you end up giving to the world. So that's, that's basically what happened. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's always the same. It kind of sucks in some ways that you got to go through the pain and you got to go through the experience to then help others. But without it, you wouldn't have the, the credibility or the knowledge or the, I guess the emotional attachment to that support to offer it to others um, in a way, you know, like, We've obviously both gone through some pain, found coaching or some, you know, emotional support, and then we help now other people with it. So it's sort of, it's like that ripple effect of contribution, but, you know, you can say rightly or wrongly, I'd actually say rightly that it has to start with pain because if you hadn't been gone through your depression and seen those therapists that maybe didn't help you and you were like, I can do better than this, then we wouldn't be on the Zoom call today. Definitely. Yeah. Which is mental how the world works. I keep saying mental, mental health. <laughs> what do you mean by, you want to go back to adequate support, Mano? You said like there's lots of different types of support, but adequate. Is this, are you talking about like personalities here? Are you talking about different fields of support? What, we, what are you talking about then? Um, so I think it's just people who perhaps, just like you're saying, didn't have that emotional attachment to their work. And I think that really shows, I think that when you're trying to be a coach or a therapist or anything like that, and you haven't personally like struggled or gone through something that made you realize why this was so valuable and so important, I think it really, really shows. Um, So I saw a lot of therapists or psychiatrists who I felt like just could not understand me at all. Um, They just had no clue even like what I could be experiencing. And I feel like that was what kept them from being able to be as uh, supportive or as uh, give me that adequate support. So, you know, just coming back, I think our life experiences definitely shape uh, our purpose in life. So whatever it is that you know we've gone through in the past, I like to call them turning points or like defining moments in our lives. I feel like they definitely um, push us towards our purpose. Um, they push us towards the way that we want to contribute to the world. I love it. I'm going to share this uh, Steve Jobs quote, which I love, uh, which um, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. So you have to trust in something, life, the universe, gut, your karma, 
that the dots will connect somewhere down the road, which in a nutshell means that if you look back on your life and all the failures, the setbacks, the turning points, as Manal beautifully said, were meant for us to, to shift us into this different direction. So whatever's coming in the future, you've got to trust that they're going to be the turning points. They're going to take you into the next stage of your life, which I, it's just such, such an amazing quote. So what was your turning point, Manal? What was your breakthrough to not overcome depression? I'm not saying you just had this, oh my God, I'm over it. But was there a moment where you said, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm getting myself over this, this uh, point in my life? Okay. So, um, when it comes to depression, I feel like for a long time, I was really, really struggling. And what made that transformation or like that big shift for me was actually seeing it from a different perspective. So for a long time, I feel like I was trying to get rid of it. It was this negative thing. I didn't want it in my life. I was pushing it away as much as possible. And then one day it just clicked to me. Like, what if I could almost befriend this depression? Like, what if I could be okay with it? What if I could see it as, oh, it's something that's here to serve me for whatever reason? Um, And what if I wasn't so afraid of it? You know, what if I could find a way to sit with it? And that made such a huge shift for me. Well, thank you so much for sharing and being so honest and open. What was the what's the next step in our in our story or of your journey uh, to becoming uh, who, who you are today? The truth is that I'm still learning, you know, Mm. Um, and I actually call myself like a serial learner. (laughs) Um, I'm always taking like the next training, the next program, but I feel like every single time that I explore something new or do something different, it really does shape who I am or who I'm becoming. Like, I don't know who I'm going to be five years from now, but I know that the more I expose myself to new experiences, new learnings, new uh, ways of doing things, um, I'm growing into that person. Um, so I just really follow my curiosity. So I don't really know where I'm going so far. Like I don't have a clear path, but I know that as long as I'm following my curiosity, I'm getting there. Yeah. I don't think, you know, you can have a vision and you can think about the life you want to create, but ultimately we've got no control over the future. There's a, there's a like super controversial quote, I think by Byron Katie that says, if you want to ruin your life, give yourself a future. I was like, Oh, that's so good. That's so good because I feel like when you do try to give yourself a future, you really limit yourself because there could be this amazing future out there, but you've already decided, oh, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. I think sometimes as well, if, if you if so, if you have a purpose that the universe is going to keep coming, like knocking on the door, right? And it's going to keep keep showing up and keep showing up and hopefully you go around and take it and you're like, hey, I might try you know, this coaching qualification. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I really like how you put that as like, it just keeps showing up. And I think that for a lot of us, we might actually get really bogged down in like our uh, daily life. And we don't hear that. Like we don't hear the knock on the door, even though it keeps knocking. Um, So I have a lot of clients who, for example, will come to me and we'll be talking about like purpose in life. And uh, it just seems like all the clues are there, all the signs are there, but they just can't hear it. Like they're not listening to it, um, but but they're there. Like the knocking is happening if you can just tune into it. The knocking is happening if you can just tune into it. And is that about sort of removing the noise as well and just becoming more present and, and actually, I don't know, exploring things and talking things through? What is that? Um, yeah, I think that it's okay. I think that it's a little bit of two things. I think it is definitely removing the noise, you know, like how people will sometimes take some time away or like, you know, take some time to themselves, for example, to really be able to hear that knocking. But then I think it's also 
Um, there are so many messages that we hear from society about how we should be living. You should do this and you should, um, you know, like have a nine to five, right. And you should pursue this type of career and you should kind of go down this path. And if we can remove those shoulds, um, and really focus on what is it that feels right to me, that can really help us as well. Tune into the knocking, removing those shoulds. Remove the should and replace with could. What do you think? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, mean, that makes sense because, yeah, those are options and they are options that might be brilliant for someone, but they might not be brilliant for you. So instead of feeling like, okay, this is a rule for my life, it's a possibility. And maybe there's another possibility for me. I think the word should should be like removed from the English dictionary or something. It reminds me of being being in school or a parent or a teacher speaking to me, being like, you should do this or you need to do this. When actually, do we do we need or, or should we should do look? Do we have to do stuff? Can we not just have a choice about how we show up? And I think that comes down to what we talked about at the start that we should feel positive. I need to feel live my best life, and if I don't, then I'm a failure, or you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, being you know, the best version of me, which is crazy. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you, and I always say like, should is like such a bad word like I'm like can we eliminate shit um if I hear someone using should like a lot I'm like stop shitting on yourself because you're really limiting yourself and a lot of our shoulds are really just like um created by us or created by others like they're not real they're not really things that we have to do stop shooting on yourself yeah that's a breakthrough <laughs> pod first absolutely love that what was it like? So you did your coach training. You're still a lawyer. And I'm, I'm speaking to you lots of this time because we're doing a coach training together uh, with the amazing coach trainee to you. What was it like going back to courage to, to think, well, I'm, I'm going to step out and try and go for this myself? It definitely took a lot of courage. I think that I had to be in a mental uh, place where I felt like no matter what happens, I can handle it. Because there are a lot of ups and downs when you quit your nine to five and you go full time in a new business. And, you know, my business wasn't necessarily like thriving at the time. I was still building it. It was still very new. So I knew that if I'm going to do this, I need to be able to um, like make sure that I have a positive perspective through it you know, make sure that even if there's low times, I can keep that vision in mind of where I'm trying to get to. Um, So I feel like a lot of it was really just mindset. That was what gave me the courage to go through with it. Um, But now looking back, I definitely like if people ask me like, when should I quit my nine to five? I'm like, plan it. Like I didn't really plan it, but like plan it well, like that in, in um, retrospect, right? Um, That is what I would like uh, tell people to do. Yeah, I didn't plan it either. Yeah. I, uh, I finished that coach training in October 2017. I already realized that academic year, when I went back to school, I was going to quit teaching that year. So I knew it was my last year, not that I told anyone that. Um, and then obviously I was doing some coaching in school, like in break times and lunch times. Then in February, I told everyone that I was quitting. Everyone was like, what do you mean? You're quitting? Like, do you want to do, time? Do you want to do a little bit? I'm like, no, 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 I'm going, I'm out. And I had this big vision of, you know, Pina Colada in one hand, laptop in the other hand, coaching kids on the beach. She's like, woo, laptop lifestyle, all this, all this crap. Um, and again, using the word retrospect, it was a, it was a bit of a risk at the time. I mean, there's never a perfect time, but, um, you know, having no kids, like 
mortgage, big bills to pay, you know, would mean that it was, it was the right time to take the leap. I think when you do take the leap like that, you learn fast, you know, it's, I think someone described entrepreneurship as jumping out a plane and building the parachute on the way down. And if you quit your job like that, <laughs> you've got to build your parachute pretty, pretty, uh, pretty fast. What advice yeah. do you give people who are listening to this demo now and thinking like, I've got this idea, I want to leave my nine to five, I might be like doing a side hustle. What, would, what advice would you give them? So um, as you're saying that, I want to I wanna kind of like say plan as much as possible, because mm. like you said, I feel like when you know it's the right time to leap, it's the right time. And everyone really does it at a different time. So for some people, maybe planning isn't like they can plan as much as possible. But at the end of the day, they feel like if I leap, I'm going to figure it out. Like that pressure is going to make me figure it out. Um, if I were to give people advice, I would say just be really passionate about the thing that you are leaping for. Um, because that passion is going to drive you. That's what's going to keep you going when you fail, which you inevitably will. We all do uh, when you have you know hard times, um, uh, when that laptop lifestyle isn't coming through for you, <laughs> right? But when you're really passionate about what you do, you can make, you can make it through. I'm going to ask you a really upfront question here which is, you spoke about failure. What's been your biggest failure since leaving the law firm, would you say? So I'm not sure I can pinpoint like one huge failure, but there have definitely been a lot of setbacks. So there've been a lot of moments where I was like, can I do this? Um, This is not working out the way that I want to. Um, I think that when you have your own business, there are a lot of moments when um, you you feel like, oh yeah, this is amazing. Everyone's going to receive this really well. It's going to go so great. And then you launch it or you offer it to the world and it just doesn't go the way that you anticipated. And those were the moments that I felt like were setbacks, um, but uh, were also learning moments, obviously. And I feel like they're still going to continue to happen. I don't think they ever stop happening. Um, but every single time like a setback happens, like this just happened last week, like I did something and I was like, oh, it didn't work out the way I wanted to. And I, I have my own coach. So I texted her and I was like, you know, it didn't really go that well, but this is what I learned. Um, so it's always like just n- recognizing like it's totally normal to have setbacks um, and just noticing what's the learning moment here. Yeah, I love that question you asked. What, what have I found out or how can I use this moving forward? It's another great question. Um, exactly. Yeah, we- that's the biggest problem when you work for yourself is just because you've got a great idea that you think can change the world. It doesn't give anyone else the right or, you know, no one else might not think that like no one else has got the right to believe in that, which sucks sometimes because you know, that you've got for you, it's such an important thing and you have to be, I think you learn resiliency so, so much working for yourself. Like if you're not resilient in this, in this, in this game of self of entrepreneurship, whatever you want to call it, self-employed, you're not going to last very long because the setbacks, like you said, are never going to, never going to stop coming, but that's exciting as well. I had a, another guest on here. We were talking about, you know, if there were, if there were no problems in, in business, it was just plain sailing, you know, it wouldn't be fun. Yeah, that's true. And we need those little challenges to, to keep it exciting, to keep it fresh. Cool. Yeah. And it also inspires you to be very creative because you're always thinking about, okay, like that didn't go well or that didn't work. Now, how can I do it differently? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I've also experienced is this, um, 
idea that like my business doesn't really determine my worth as a person because sometimes I get really attached to this idea of like, oh, if I created something and it didn't like land well with my audience, it's because there's something wrong with me as a person. And I always have to remind myself like my business and my self-worth are totally two different things. You guys can see that if I just put my thumbs up loads there to my now because it's something that I struggle with still, I'd argue if I'm being vulnerable self-worth on the business like if business goes well Sam Moyne is happy if business goes bad Sam Moyne is sad (laughs) and it takes a lot of awareness to realize that this business is temporary this business is just a vehicle to take me to the next place I think when you start your first business which we are both currently in it's very is it ego-led would you say I mean it's, it's sort of like it's all it's all me right I am it it is me And I think it's taken me a long time and still a work in progress to create that separation. It's really tough, I think. Especially as a coach, because it's such a personal brand and it's like you're selling yourself. Um, So it's really easy to feel like, oh, if people don't want to work with me or people don't want my product or program, then it's something about me that they don't want. And it's just realizing like, no, this is business and it's separate. And it doesn't mean that there's necessarily like, oh, something wrong with me or that they don't want me. Right. It's just, uh, I think that's one of the uh, things that you have to deal with when your business is really um, revolved around you. What would you say about self-worth then? Because if if I wasn't in business, maybe... I might be put my self-worth on numbers in a bank account. If we're at school, we might put self-worth on a grade. I'd like to get your take on that. What makes us put self-worth onto something other than us? Yeah. So um, I, I get what you're saying is like a lot of our self-worth is really about our accomplishments or our achievements, or this is what makes me special. This is what makes me unique. Um, and that is really, um, that puts us in a very vulnerable position because those things can change at any point. And then we're like, oh my God, okay, I'm not worthy anymore. Um, so I have to bring in a little science here, but the, actually the kind of like the opposite of that, or like the replacement of that, like if we weren't going to do it in that way, and we're not going to determine our self-worth based on what we have or what we are is actually relating to ourselves with self-compassion. And, you know, I talk about this a lot. But if we are able to be um, kind to ourselves and we're, be- we're able to be understanding and supportive of ourselves, then we feel that we are worthy. And it's not based on these external things or these specific qualities that we feel we have to have. So really, it's about shifting from this idea of self-worth to self-compassion. Can I relate to myself in a kind and compassionate way? And that is what will make me feel like I am worthy because... Um, who isn't worthy of that kindness and compassion anyway, right? Yeah, Manal ran a great webinar during lockdown for us, all on self-compassion. I'm going to put her on the spot here a little bit. Manal, you shared a great, I think it was a four-step turnaround for self-compassion, or it was a couple of statements and questions. If you could share it with the audience, that'd be fantastic. Because um, I think it, it I still, I still resonates with me and I still remember it. But I want you as the expert here to, to tell it for us, share it for us. Okay, sure. So this is basically how you can exercise self-compassion if you're going through something difficult or you're experiencing difficult emotions. So the first step is actually just being mindful of whatever it is you're feeling and just noticing and saying like, I am feeling this or I am going through this. The second thing is to recognize that this is something that every human being goes through. Um, And even say that to yourself, like anyone um, anyone who's in this situation would feel sad. 
or lots of people are experiencing failures like this, right? I'm not the only one. This is part of being human. Um, the third step is actually finding a way to be uh, compassionate towards yourself. So what are things that I can do to um, soothe myself, um, make myself feel more relaxed or give myself that love and kindness? It could be like self-talk. It could be uh, self-care kinds of activities. And then the fourth thing is asking yourself, what do I need? So a lot of us don't really take the time out to really ask ourselves what we need, but this is a game changer. Like if you can just ask yourself once a day, what do I need? That is you showing compassion to yourself. That is you creating a new relationship with yourself. That last bit was such a game changer for me that what do I need? Sometimes I'd be stressing out about, again, self-worth on business. Maybe I haven't made a sale in a while. So I'll be there like doing all these random small tasks to try and make myself more productive or busy or whatever word you want to use. And what I actually need in that moment, I need just to step away from the laptop, step away from my phone, go on a walk, get out, like change my state, all that great stuff. And when I shared that, I was like, oh my God, that's so, so, so good. What do I need right now in this moment? Almost giving yourself a hug instead of punching yourself in the face. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, exactly. And it's actually um, learning how, like one of the things we talked about on the webinar was that we can really motivate ourselves. Like when we feel like we're not being productive, for example, we can motivate ourselves in this very kind and compassionate way. How can we motivate ourselves with compassion, just to be clear? Okay. So a lot of the times we tend to think that we need to kind of like beat ourselves up to get stuff done. So we're like, come on, if you don't do this, you're going to fail and this is going to happen. And like, we scare ourselves basically to get ourselves to do things. Um, but what the research shows is that it's actually way uh, more useful to try to motivate yourself using compassion, which means um, recognizing that you're struggling to do something, uh, reminding yourself that it's okay. Like everyone struggles or everyone procrastinates sometimes. Right. Um, noticing why you're doing that, noticing why you're procrastinating or not getting things done or struggling to do something and understanding where you're coming from. And then again, asking yourself, like, what do I need to allow me to help me to do this thing? Right. Maybe I need support. Maybe I need a break. How is that? Yeah, I love it. So honestly, it's such a game changer because sometimes it's like the carrot and the stick, isn't it? You know, you motivate yourself either with, with pain lots of the time, like I've got to do this beat myself up. That's how we motivate ourselves. And actually we get more motivation by just being kind. And actually that then recharges us and refuels us to go, to go again, basically. How did that, how, how has that awareness helped you then? The self-compassion. So for me, this has really helped me with my feelings um, because uh, definitely I've struggled with emotions for a very long time. And so the way that I started to be more compassionate to myself is that whenever I was struggling with a difficult emotion, I would tell myself like, it's okay. Like everyone feels this way instead of criticizing myself. Like, why are you like this? Why do you always feel like this? You know, um, I would just give myself a lot of understanding and a lot of compassion. I tell myself like, it totally makes sense that you feel this way because so-and-so. Right. Um, and that just, really softened my own relationship with myself and my feelings and it made such a huge difference awesome thanks for sharing i've just had another question come into my head which is uh out of all the learning you've done since we we spoke in april 2017 and we met in 2017 i know you've done the positive psychology the self-compassion the obviously the coaching what's been the most influential of those on on your practice in your life um, every time I do a new training, I'm like, this is it. But <laughs> I, I, can, 
so I don't want to say it's like the most influential, but definitely something that was very influential uh, was this idea, which is what positive psychology is based on, which is that a lot of the times when we are struggling in our lives, we try to get ourselves back to neutral, back to like, I'm okay, nothing necessarily is going wrong in my life. Um, I don't I'm not suffering from any specific illness or any specific issue. But neutral isn't good enough. It doesn't mean that you're thriving. It doesn't mean that you're flourishing. So really, we should be focusing on going to 10, Um, not necessarily 10, but like going into the positives. So instead of zero at neutral, maybe I can get myself to plus eight. What does that look like? That looks like following your purpose, doing things you love, feeling engaged in your relationships, right? Um, uh, Feeling like uh, you're um, setting goals and you feel like you're able to achieve them and all of these good stuff. Like we shouldn't just be focusing on getting rid of what's wrong in our lives or what's bad or what's not working, but actually building the good stuff. Build the good stuff. Amazing, amazing message. Yeah. But what do you love about what do you love about helping people with this? You know, helping your clients, uh, coaching them on this, these topics. What what fires you up? What what do you love about it? Uh, I think the moment that I love the most is when my clients feel like they get to go out to the world. And they feel like they're being their true self. So they come back to me and they're like, oh my God, I did this thing and I feel so alive. And I feel like there's literally like light shining out of their eyes. Um, And that is so fulfilling. Like, I feel like I'm helping people uh, live more meaningful lives. And that is literally what makes my day. I think that's, we can give that to other people. And that's the best gift, isn't it? More meaningful lives, more purpose, more contentment or compassion, whatever you want to call it. It's uh, it is an amazing process to me. I just, I love that, that trade in energy, that, that contribution, the fulfillment selfishly that you get from contributing to others, but it's, it's an unbelievable feeling. It's, it's like watching my favorite football team win and a live music event all at the same time with fireworks going off. It's like, it's, it's the best feeling. And I think it's a lovely feeling to, to be able to give someone, you know, and to give them that. I think it's, it's unbelievable. But now we've got this standard question, which we ask everyone. I say standard, we ask every single guest, but it's a really important question, which is what piece of advice would you give to someone who's listening to this, who's struggling or going through a bit of a tough time right now? Okay. So if I look back at when I was really, really struggling, like in my late teens, early twenties, I had no idea. And I would not have believed it if you told me that I could get to a point where I was Uh, doing what I love, helping people, feeling fulfilled, like there was no way that I was going to get to this point. So my message for anyone who's struggling right now is that no matter how like it feels like things are never going to change, they will change and they can change. Um, And it's just holding on, uh, doing whatever you can as much as you can in the moment. Um, and there will be a time in the future when you look back and you'll be like, whoa, like I actually thought that I was stuck and things were never going to change. And look at me now, like you will get to that point. Amazing advice. Thank you for sharing. So now if someone's listening to this and they want to find out more about you or work with you, how can they connect with you on social or online? So the best way to connect with me is on Instagram. Uh, and my handle is at Adawi, which is my name. Cool. I'll put that into the notes. And honestly, please do connect with Manal. She's got great stories, great content that can help you. Manal, it's been amazing to catch up. 
Um, it's, it's so funny how people come into our lives for a reason, you know, and it's great that we've still got that connection all the way back from April 2017, which does seem like a long time ago, considering now we're, we're both doing our thing, our own thing and helping other people with coaching. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so grateful to you and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Breakthrough Pod. We'd love for you to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Student Breakthrough. Make sure to subscribe to catch our next episode. Live your best life and have an awesome day.